On this show, I've complained a lot this season about Eli Drinkwitz's lack of aggression and execution at the end of the first half. But against South Carolina, Eli executed that plan perfectly. Also, we got to analyze the quarterback position. And by the way, I think Blaze Aldridge said something that reaffirmed an old cliche. I think we can all learn from Blaze. So you know what? All this and more coming up right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And thank you for making Locked on Mizzou your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including, of course, now on YouTube. I'll tell you some breaking news here before we get to what I had planned on talking about here today on Locked on Mizzou, a quick Eli Drinkwitz bat signal was put out, meaning a new Zoo 22, a new player in the fold for the Tigers. Well, junior college defensive lineman Javian Gill has now committed to the Tigers. Originally, he signed with UCF for the 2021 season, but ended up not going to UFC and staying another year in junior college. So, Quite honestly, again, this news broke about four or five minutes ago before I hit record here. So that's all the information I have for you on Mr. Gill for now. But again, another defensive lineman in the fold for the Tigers. And speaking of defensive linemen, the Tigers' Isaiah McGuire named the SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week after recording six tackles, a sack, another tackle for loss, and also forcing and recovering a fumble in that ball game. Obviously, McGuire's forced fumble there, recovered by Jeffcoat for a touchdown. Missouri doesn't have that play. I'm not sure they win the ball game. So, Isaiah McGuire, shout out to you, my friend. But speaking of a play that Missouri needed to win that football game on Saturday, well, an excellent job, I thought, by Eli Drinkwitz at the end of the half. This is something I've complained about multiple times this season was just his lack of aggression, his lack of of putting pressure on the opposition. To me, that's that's the main point here. To me, Eli played this whole thing perfectly because actually Missouri wasn't in a great spot to be aggressive here. Now, first of all, third and 20, minute 24 seconds left. Missouri gets home with a four-man rush quite easily. So Missouri calls timeout. Smart move. Minute and 25 seconds left. It's fourth and 30. You got to make them punt. And that's my whole thing. I'm not necessarily saying you have to be overly aggressive or even extremely aggressive. But in that spot, if it's fourth and 30, you have to call timeout. You got a minute and a half left, and you have to at least make them execute a punt. Make them execute the snap, the punt everything, the coverage, the whole deal. And while South Carolina did, quite honestly, and had Missouri backed up pretty far on, I believe, about on about its own 20-yard line. So what does Drinkwitz do? He designs a really interesting play that we really haven't seen, certainly not all game, but a jet sweep where we shift, at the last second, we shift all of our players over the right. Boo Smith takes that jet sweep handoff to the left. And to me, this is the perfect type of, of low risk, 
high reward play that you want to run in that situation. Now, if Boo would have happened to get stuffed for no gain there, maybe you try to hurry up, run another play, that really doesn't go anywhere, well then fine. By all means, be conservative then and take the time off the clock. You've at least given yourself a chance. That's my whole point on this. You have to give yourself at least a chance, which is exactly, again, to me, Eli played this perfect. He got a low-risk, high-reward play. Then this particular case, well, the reward, it paid off. We got the reward. Boo gained, I don't know, 40, 50 yards, something like that. Then his hit late, out of bounds, so Missouri in easy field goal range. Now, obviously, a touchdown would have even been better there, but give a lot of credit to the Missouri special teams unit because with about 16 seconds left, the Tigers were tackled in bounds and our whole entire field goal unit had to rush on the field for fourth down. And again, I give all 11 men a lot of credit on this because they have to get to their spots, be in their spots, get set and execute the play. Because if one of the 11 guys happens to not hustle out quite soon enough, not get in his spot soon enough and not be set for just that one count so it's in a legal play, well, guess what? With no timeouts left, Missouri would have been called for a penalty. There would have been a 10-second runoff, and it would have still been 14-all. And guess what? Missouri absolutely needed that field goal to end up winning the South Carolina game. So huge credit to Drinkwitz, to me, for 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 executing this perfectly, for having the right type of play that had an ability to get big yardage, but also a really low-risk play where a turnover is very unlikely. So to me, perfectly played by Drinkwitz and also give credit to everybody on that field goal unit, including special teams coach Eric Link, for going out there and executing. And by the way, all 11 guys were ready to sprint on the field. Really nice coaching there and just excellent job by the players as well. By the way, Tiger basketball takes the court tonight at 7 o'clock against the former UMKC Kangaroos, now just known as the Kansas City Kangaroos. So they're jumping on the trend of shortening your name for branding purposes. But as we all know, Missouri lost to UMKC about seven years ago in Kim Anderson's debut as the head coach. And well, from there, just nothing ever got off the ground for Kim and the Tigers. So you know what? As much as I was positive for the most part last week about the Tigers opener, well, if they somehow lose this game, yeah, we can throw all that out the window, but not expecting that whatsoever, but just something to keep in mind for tonight. And Missouri, oddly enough, actually plays, I believe, five home games in November with this season, getting off to a little bit earlier of a start, including two games this week. Missouri also playing on Thursday. By the way, a Friday game, a week from Friday against Wichita State, certainly has a lot of intrigue, one of the Missouri's best non-conference opponents, but also a little bit more intrigue, apparently. A young man named Trey King, who is going to be a mid-year transfer, now is looking very strongly at Wichita State, but he's also going to take a visit to Missouri over the next couple weeks as well. So you never know. Perhaps, perhaps Trey King. If he gets a waiver from the NCAA, perhaps he could join either the Shockers or the Tigers come midseason. So just a name that I haven't heard much from, Trey King, so far. But I got this story from the Wichita paper, and they included that 
the information that Missouri will get a visit. So just somebody to keep in mind for all you hoops fans. But you know what? We got to get back to the gridiron, and I do want to talk about the quarterback position because obviously Connor Bazelak threw a couple terrible interceptions in that ball game. He was replaced late by Brady Cook, who never actually threw a pass. So what does all this mean? Who's going to start next week, and what are the possible ramifications of either starting Basilak or Cook against the Gators on Saturday? I want to get all up in that debate, but first I want to tell you about our good buddies at Prize Picks, who is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They have more college football props than anybody in the industry, and if you're into college basketball, NBA, NFL, well, they have you all covered there as well. You know, the thing about prize picks that's great, it's just simple. You just take the the projections for whatever prize picks thinks a certain player is going to get in a certain category, whether it's passing yards, whether it's points on the basketball court. Heck, maybe you have, maybe you've got multiple different types of edges. Well, then you can parlay things together. It's all safe. And of course, with fast withdrawals over at Prize Picks. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com. Use the promo code locked on or go to your app store. Either way, use that promo code locked on at Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Made Easy. Overall, I thought Connor Basilak played a decent football game, except for, well, the two interceptions, which both of them were quite frankly terrible. There's no other way to look at it than that. The first one, it's unclear to me who Basilak is even throwing the football to. Now, interestingly, both of Basilak's interceptions were were targets for Tyler Beatty. Now, again, the first one, I'm not entirely certain that Beatty was the intended receiver on that play. It certainly ended up that Beatty was the closest person to the ball. He made the tackle on the INT. When you go back and watch that play, it looked very similar to what Basilak struggled with at home the last couple weeks, which is sailing throws. Because Chisholm runs like maybe a three to five yard hitch route, and the ball goes over his head so far that I think Chisholm probably correctly assumes that, well, gosh, I can't be the target on this. But unfortunately, Tyler Beatty, who's out on the boundary, he's as far away as he can be on the sidelines, well, he's kind of running just a distraction route. He's not even really looking for the football, as is typical, by the way. Anytime you put a running back out on the boundary, well, 99 times out of 100, that guy's not even really in the play. He's not really meant to be running a route in that spot. I'm just telling you, watch that. Anytime they put a running back out there, they throw him in motion, put him in the boundary. He's almost never even a part of the play. And that's what it appeared like from Beatty. Just ran kind of a little hail, just run a distraction, little two-yard hitch or something. But for some reason, Basilak seems to panic for no reason and throws the ball up in the air to no one. On a play that looks like a wide receiver screen, but there's no blocking out there. Chisholm's running a route. He's not throwing a block for anybody. Beatty's not throwing a block for anybody. So, again, just a really confusing play there by Bazelak. Fortunately, the Missouri defense completely bailed Connor out. So, again, lots of credit to the Tiger defense, who suddenly is looking like a somewhat solid group. Not only 
has the Tigers run defense improved dramatically the last couple weeks, especially the South Carolina game holding their backs under a hundred yards. Well, the quarterback was under constant pressure for Carolina as well. Obviously, Isaiah McGuire did so well that he's the SEC defensive lineman of the week. Clearly, Martez Manuel was getting pressure as well. So, you know, you just got to give the Missouri defense a lot of credit for suddenly playing just much better football. I honestly can't explain it completely. I, I'm not sure what's changed, but the reality is they're just executing and playing much better football the last couple weeks. But now moving on to Connor's second interception. Now, this is one, it's it's third and six. Missouri has a 10-point lead. You know, this is the last possible thing you can do in this spot. Now, if you want to give Connor the benefit of the doubt, you can say, hey, the ball just slipped out of his, out of his hand. Stuff happens. But here's the problem, though. This wasn't a rainy football game. And to me, again, this is just more of a, a factor of Connor just panicking a little bit in the pocket, getting some happy feet for no particular reason, sort of feeling pressure when it's not totally there. Because one thing, yeah, the ball did slip out of his hands, and you could say, well, he got a little bit unlucky there. You notice also he never set his feet to throw that football. And in that spot, in that situation, again, it's third and six. You're up 10. There's like five minutes left. You have to have the situational game awareness to eat the football there. Sometimes sacks are okay. The last thing you can do is just throw a ball up in the air, though, when your feet are not set. You don't have to worry about a sack in that situation. You have to worry about fumbling the ball and getting it intercepted. Those are the only two things you really need to worry about. And maybe in the future, Drinkwitz needs to specifically tell Basilak this. And quite frankly, maybe he did. I have no idea what he was telling him on the sidelines, obviously. I'm just saying in general, man, if Connor's going to be this sort of game manager, short pass type of guy, he can't throw these types of interceptions up for grabs in crucial points of the game, whether it's with Missouri up t- up 10 with hardly any time left or, you know, tie ball game early on. You just don't want to throw the ball up for grabs. Live to fight another down, but especially up 10, few minutes left. That was a real cardinal sin there by Basilak. And maybe it's one that cost him his job. Honestly, you know, Brady Cook came in with four minutes left about. After that interception, Connor never came back in the ball game. And Drinkwitz said that, well, we wanted Brady to run the ball. He was the guy who could keep the ball on the read option there at the end. And you saw Brady do it, right? You saw him keep that ball for an 11-yard game, wisely slides in bounds, by the way, on second and 14. But also Brady didn't throw a pass, so maybe maybe Eli's telling the truth. On the other hand, that's a weird look for with four minutes left, you pull your starting quarterback after that terrible interception and just say, oh no, it's just a situational thing. Is it though? I think we'll find out come Saturday if that truly was just a a situational substitution or if Eli Drinkwitz can't actually trust Connor Bazelak with the football anymore. And I want to talk a little bit more about that quarterback decision, including what I would do next week. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar, which is, of course, the best tasting protein bar Ever. Yes, ever. A lot of hyperbole online, but I think in this case, you'll know I'm right. Because if you haven't tried Build Bar out by now, 
frankly, you're missing out. Often protein bars just don't taste very good. Well, guess what? This thing is excellent. 100% real chocolate. It's soft and oh so tasty. And even better, these bars are low carb, low calorie, low fat, low sugar, and high in protein. So guess what? You can't go wrong. Over at Built Bar, try out all their delicious flavors. And when you do, go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order. Once again, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. This morning over at PowerMizzou.com, Gabe DeArmon did his usual Monday 10 Thoughts column, and I thought Gabe had a really good point within this piece. He said, if Brady Cook isn't the guy this weekend, in other words, if he doesn't get the start, there's a pretty decent chance he transfers after this season, I think. Well, and the point there being, well, Cook has now been in the program for at least a couple seasons now. Actually, let me check really quick. Well, what year is Brady Cook? Because I'll be honest, for instance, it says here Connor Basilak is a is a redshirt sophomore. Well, what does that actually mean? Because last year didn't count, right? Could Basilak still play three more years after this season? It kind of feels like he could. So again, Brady Cook, redshirt freshman. This must be his second year in the program then. So here's the deal. If you've been in there for two years now, you were in 2020, you've been here in 2021, we all know the quarterbacks of all positions on a college football team, not the most patient in the world. There's only one ball and one spot for all those guys on the team. So if you're Cook and you're saying, man, Basilak, I can't get in here when he's not playing all that well. I've done okay with my limited action here. Do I have a chance to play here whatsoever if I can't get in right now? With Sam Horn coming in next year, with Tyler Macon with another year in the program, I think that's a very, very strong possibility that, well, if Cook doesn't get a start going down the stretch here, he he might be gone. On the other hand, what if you do start Brady Cook on Saturday? What does that signal to Connor Basilak? Again, a guy who can play three more years, I do believe, since the COVID season of 2020 didn't count. I'm pretty sure Connor can play at least three more seasons after this. So if you're Connor, do you maybe open up your options and say, gee, this Missouri thing all of a sudden is not looking like it's going to work out for me, at least as far as a starting quarterback goes? I don't know. I'm, I'm really not sure. Of course, there's the personal side of things as well, which is something we rarely factor in because I follow Connor on Instagram. Well, I know he's got a girlfriend here who happens to be a Mizzou cheerleader. Does that kind of stuff factor in? Of course it does. All the off the field stuff factors into all of these decisions. I'm just saying if you're Eli Drinkwitz, my main point here, and, and Gabe makes it well, whoever you decide to start a quarterback on Saturday, well, that could definitely send the guy who doesn't start out the door sooner rather than later. So just a lot of moving parts to keep in mind here. But to me, we're to the point where you don't worry about either one of those guys' feelings or what they want to do transfer-wise. Missouri wants to get six wins this year, and probably Florida at home might be their best chance. The way the Gators have played defense lately, Tigers definitely have a chance. Let's put it that way. I don't care if they're seven-and-a-half-point underdogs. That's really probably more about Florida's name 
and how Missouri played earlier in the season than anything. So really the last couple weeks, Missouri's been clearly the better team. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And finally, before I get out of here, I have to say I was impressed with a quote from Blaze Aldridge this past week before the South Carolina game. Of course, Blaze, the transfer from Rice, he's just going to play one season here at Missouri. He's taking a lot of crap online, quite honestly. And, and to be perfectly honest, you know, his season's been a little disappointing. He maybe hasn't hasn't uh, lived up to the expectations of a lot of Missouri fans. And, and certainly the whole Missouri defense has really been the issue, right? The whole unit hasn't lived up to expectations. So unfortunately, when you see Nick Bolton in the NFL off playing with the Kansas City Chiefs and and thriving, quite honestly, well, it's natural for people to sort of look at the new guy and blame him a little bit. And Blaze, you know, he got surpassed by Chad Bailey there for reps for a decent bit of the middle of the season. He seems to have come back and earned back some of those reps. But on that topic, Blaze said about his midseason demotion, he said, quote, I'm a guy that had zero offers out of high school, and now I play in the SEC. So when it comes to losing reps, I'm just blessed to even be here. Now, I love that attitude, number one, because here's what it is. It's called realistic expectations. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure Blaze Aldridge is a highly competitive young man, and I'm sure a part of him was hurt that he lost some reps during the middle of the season. But what does being hurt do for him? It's better to just say the right thing and maybe get mad internally, be upset internally, and just go out there on the practice field and try to reconcile by kicking butt in practice to modify a famous Kim English quote. But I'll tell you, this this quote in particular by Blaze, I got to say, after this weekend, here's a little pop culture for you, everybody. The whole Taylor Swift... Jake Gyllenhaal thing, you know, again, I think, I think if we were in a sane world here, I think Taylor Swift's next album would be called realistic expectations and her single would be called maybe it's me because my goodness, Taylor Swift, I'm so sorry that at 19 years old when you were dating a 30 year old Jake Gyllenhaal, oh my God, it didn't work out in the long run and you guys didn't get married again. Realistic expectations. Take a lesson from Blaze Aldridge. Taylor Swift, you're a tall, beautiful, rich drink of water. You're an incredible talent. Be happy. Get some realistic expectations and perhaps stop dating celebrities. Maybe date an orthodontist or something. A guy who's a winner, but maybe, you know, the famous stuff doesn't seem to be working out for you. Just date a normal citizen. That's my piece of advice. And more importantly, get some realistic expectations, Taylor. You've had a pretty good life. Let's not throw bombs at married guys at this point, please. Can we not do that? Okay. So anyway, (laughs) that was a bit of a digression there with Taylor Swift and Blaze Aldridge. I know everybody on the Mizzou beat has done their Taylor Swift, Blaze Aldridge segment already, but I wanted to get mine in anyway, but seriously, folks, thanks for joining me once again, and I will see you all next time with my recap of the Missouri-Kansas City basketball game. Perhaps I'll get that one out to you Monday evening, but no promises. I'm going to try to get it done 
really will. I'm going to try hard, but again, no promises. So either Monday night, Tuesday morning, you'll have a recap of Missouri and Kansas City basketball. So until then, I am John Miller, and this has been Locked on the Zoo. Thank you.